Gomez. Lovely vision. Here's a charge to make it four. Inside. It's it at the double. Crowd loves it. The Wellington Phoenix four. Canberra United nil. They've come to life. Wind picking up. Foster. Tings it. And two. And it is. It's five. Brilliant performance by the Wellington Women's Phoenix team. They can finally say they have a win in the Women's A-League, and they did it so emphatically. A final score of 5-0 against Canberra as part of a double header that saw their male counterparts beating the Central Coast Mariners 2-1. It was a great Sunday for Knicks fans. Results aside, it's just been great for women's football in this country ahead of the FIFA World Cup coming up later in the year. Football fans lost their two matches against the USA, but the crowds came in support in their numbers. Good signs. Joining us now is uh, Sky Sport football analyst and former All-Whites goalkeeper, Jacob Spoonley. Good morning to you, Jacob. Good morning, Smitty. What a weekend of football that was. Wasn't it, though? Hey, 5-0. Natalie Lawrence and uh, her girls have had to be very, very patient through some pretty hard times, some beatings, but they finally can smile, mate. Oh, wonderful. Uh, their third win ever in the ALW. Their first at home, and importantly, and as you say, historically, in front of their home fans. It was emphatic, and it started right from the get-go. Uh, two chances. Uh, one very clear-cut for Ava Pritchard before Millie Clegg, who I think will be a superstar, put the ball on the back of the net to get them rolling. And I think the best way to sum up the weekend was... Uh, as Goran Paladin said, the Wellington Phoenix 7, the A-League 1. It really was a wonderful weekend for everyone involved in the black and yellow. Do you expect them to capitalise on now uh, the, the women's team now that they've found the back of the net and know how to do it on a regular basis? Yeah, it's really interesting, Smithy. Um, I'm sure you've come across this. A team that was pretty beleaguered, there was a lot of frustration uh, in the changing room. They didn't feel like they were playing anywhere near the level um, that they could. And then they, a number of the players spend a week away in the camp with the football firms, spending a, um, a good period with their international colleagues. They then played at home in front of two record-breaking crowds. Um, and they played against the perennial force in women's football, the US. Um, and although the results didn't go their way, when you put yourself up against Uh, athletes of that standard, you realise where you need to be, and that gives you some sort of direction. And what I think we saw on Sunday, although it was such a challenging week, having gone to Perth, been involved in the fans camp for a number of these Phoenix players, and then showing up again on the Sunday, you saw this infusion of energy and enthusiasm, and that was really personified by Betsy Hassett, who was given a more advanced role, but just was buzzing got all over the pitch. Um, the complete width was um, occupied by her. And then she was getting in beyond. Um, and she really did lead by example. But the important point was there was a bit of a, like an a, a enthusiasm infusion that we saw from the Phoenix team. Rightio, let's uh, look also at the football fans. As you say, um, well, 4-0, 5-0. So they weren't able to find the back of the net against the USA team. What did you take from that, though? I think we saw a team that was very focused on being resilient and resolute in the opening match down in Wellington on Wednesday. So they kept the US at arm's length for the first 45 minutes. They went into the break at nil all. And I think 
what we saw from that point on was this juggernaut um, that Andalowski has at his disposal. The US, uh, the team by far and away, in my opinion, that has the most depth at the international level. And they've got quality all across the field. But it's those different options that he can call upon. If something isn't working, if a player isn't quite there and didn't have... Um, the energy levels or the uh, the sharpness because they were in off-season. He can go to another option. And when we saw Lynn Williams and Trinity Rodman coming off the bench in the second half, they were devastating. And when you see them live, what you come to realise is that the US are so fast, they are so athletic, they are so strong, and importantly, they are so big compared to a number of um, the players in the women's game, particularly the Ferns. Um, the other point that I would make is that these are great games. It was great to get an introduction to the Ferns and what we're going to experience in the World Cup for the New Zealand public. Uh, to play at these cathedrals of New Zealand sport was wonderful as well. We haven't seen that for women's football before. And we also haven't seen these crowds come out. So although the results weren't anywhere near where we want them to be for the World Cup, we ticked a lot of boxes in terms of creating enthusiasm, creating this wave of energy that we'll ho- we hope will drive the Ferns to the World Cup. So I would say, yes, the results are where they need to be, park that, and now let's focus on this Nations Cup that we've got going on in February. And I think that's where we will hopefully see the marrying up of this energy and enthusiasm off the field and translating that into results on the field. Okay, so um, we we were quite depleted, yeah? Is is that, if you you look at our very full-strength side, quite depleted? Yeah, it's a great point, Smitty. And... The reason um, why Yitka Kinkova wasn't able to call upon all of her starters was because the games were organised outside of the FIFA window, so the clubs weren't obligated to release the players. That created a situation where you're negotiating with clubs, you're trying to get players released, and it turned out that a number of the players literally couldn't do that. The clubs were playing games, and they needed our ferns to be there. So someone like a CJ Bot and an Elite, they had to play in the NWSL for Leicester City um, and for Aston Villa. So that meant that we had to call upon a number of those in the Wellington Phoenix, um, potentially squad players for the football firms, and then even had to go as far as National League players. So Taylor O'Brien and Devin Jackson got their international debuts up in Eden Park, which is wonderful at being their home city. But that did mean that we were kind of playing with the fringes of even the squad at times. So that's probably another explanation of the results against the US team and why we weren't really hyper-focused on these results as being the yardstick for the Ferns because it wasn't our best 11 against theirs. Okay, right. Let's uh, look at um, the men's Phoenix side of thing and um, a landmark first goal for Alex Rufa in his 107th (laughs) appearance for the club. 107 goes to get a goal. Uh, And Jason Pine, I think he channeled his uh, inner Ian Smith, mate. A footballing miracle is how he described it. Uh, it was it was wonderful. There was almost this moment where everything froze, and I was whacking Piney on the arm and just pointing. We're like, can't be. It cannot be. 107 games at 3:22 on Sunday in Wellington. Alex Rufer scored his first A League goal. A moment that had been 10 years in the making. Infamous. <laughs> And we tried to wind him up after the game, but being the polished professional he was, he wasn't biting. I was trying to get someone in there to say that Brian Celtic had got the last touch and it was an own goal. There was even suggestions from the other side of the Tasman that he was offside. But ultimately, the goal stood and gave the Phoenix 
um, that lead and had, had their noses in front and they also had their tails up in that first half. Um, they were getting at the Central Coast Mariners. Um, they were getting in between lines. I thought David Ball and Callan Elliott were so strong down that right-hand side. And that's what ultimately led to that second goal. Number five and six for Oscar Zavada. He looks a wonderful import. And I think Ufuk Tully has done it again with the international recruitment. So that got the Phoenix in at 2-0 at half time. They looked to be cruising. And in the second half, I think two things happened. Fatigue from the away game set in. They had some really arduous tests in Brisbane and in Sydney. And I think we saw um, that take its toll in the second half. And then also the nightmare of the Western United capitulation was hanging over the team. They sat off, they got very conservative, and I think they were just trying to guard against the repeats of losing that 2-0 lead that they had. And um, that obviously ended up being a 3-2 against West United. So um, the Phoenix lucky to survive. They conceded late, but it's 3-3 three and three for Ufuk Tully. Right, well, you goalkeepers are a feisty bunch. Uh, Phoenix goalkeeper <laughs> Ollie Sale in the headlines again. Now, this is so what? Two times out of the last month that Ollie Sales uh, attracted some headlines, and uh, there was a, a bit of a fracas, shall we say, with Natalius uh, Triantis, both given yellow cards. I don't know why you're acting like wicket keepers are any different, uh, Mr. Smith. <laughs> oh, um, on the phone. You know, <laughs> so, um, yeah, you look. It's something that um, I think caught the headlines and, and largely detracted from what was a really exciting encounter that had fireworks on the field. But again, for the third match in a row, the fourth this time this season, uh, we saw the Wellington Phoenix um, uh, creating chaos after the whistle. And I think creating chaos is probably not an accurate description. What happened in the situation is that Oli Sal had the ball and a centre-back from the Central Coast Mariners, Nico Triantis, was up and looking to obstruct him, kicking the ball forward. And that was the last play of the game. So Triantis jumps across Ollie as he's kicking the ball, ends up catching him in the wrist with his studs. Um, and I think rightly, Ollie can take exception to that. Um, the referee, Casey Rybout, uh, had let a lot go in that game, but I think you could see the situation developing. And I would have liked to have seen her intervene and give Nico a few warnings and telling him, look, you're frustrated, you haven't... Uh, got back into the game. You've played well in the second half, and you probably feel like you should be at 2-2 at this point. But don't you go anywhere near that goalkeeper. And he did. Um, and I think it won't be reviewed after the match now uh, because Casey Rybelt did give Nico Triantis a yellow card. But um, he was the instigator in this situation. I think he can consider himself very lucky having only received a yellow card. It did obviously end in that brawl. But what I think we've seen from the Phoenix is that they don't mind telling the Australians that they're losing to a Kiwi team, and the Aussies don't like that. So in three of the four situations against Western Sydney, Brisbane, Raw, Sydney, and now Central Coast Mariners, it's actually been the Australian teams that have instigated um, each of the situations. And I think what we're seeing from the Phoenix is they don't want to take a uh, backward step. They are going to stand up and look the Australians eye-to-eye this season, and they're doing that on the table, now sitting, uh, well, basically tied third, but fourth on goal difference. Okay, right. Uh, let's look at uh, the EPL. Interesting matches this morning. Leeds nil, Brentford nil. Uh, Manchester City three, Wolves nil. Haaland a hat trick, and Arsenal three, Manchester United two. A goal in the very last minute, basically, uh, for Arsenal to get on top there. Uh, it sounds like it's poisonous coming out of your mouth at the moment, Smithy. The, the Arsenal up at the top of the table. Uh, what? 
a fixture. This was one that threw back to the days of Arsene Wegner and Sir Alex Ferguson. We've seen Liverpool and Man City dominate proceedings in the Premier League. Um, it's the, the new rivalry, as everyone's tried to brand it. Well, this threw back to a previous chapter in the Premier League's history. Arsenal and Man United going hammer and tongs at it, and it was an absolute premier fixture. It had everything. Aaron Ramsdale came up with a couple of huge saves uh, to deny Manchester United. And then over the course of the match and looking at both teams, all of the big players stood up. Odegaard was fantastic in midfield for Mikel Arteta. I think Bakayo Saka um, has proven himself to be a superstar and he showed up again with a goal and some wonderful play. And then Eddie Nketiah uh, with Gabriel Jesus out with injury. He is not missing any chances. He's really contributing towards what is becoming a very efficient Arsenal team. And then Den Haag. Marcus Rashford has hit some form, and I think you can only look towards Den Haag and the reinvigoration of Marcus Rashford that has occurred under his stewardship. Uh, Den Haag, he will be unhappy with the result, but you cannot fault the performance of this Manchester United team. They were so feisty. They were so confident on the ball. You could see they had a plan, and it created a wonderful occasion at the Emirates. Now, what did you make of uh, the move for Chris Wood? And uh, they got him on show very, very quickly in the police. I'm um, talking here to Nottingham Forest. Well, if you look at the context of it, it's a, it was wonderful to have Woodsy at Newcastle United. However, he was one of the first signings that Eddie Howe made, bringing him across from Burnley. And where Newcastle started under Howe was at the bottom of the Premiership. They were in that tussle for relegation, and what he was looking for with Chris Wood was a player that was proven at Premier League level, that knew how to win matches, not just score goals, but contribute to a team uh, to get three points. Obviously, since then and the subsequent transfer windows, Newcastle United has really transformed. They've gone out and they've spent a lot of that money that the Saudis have brought into the club. So Woodsy uh, was starting to see his game time uh, reduce. Uh, Callum Wilson is obviously in the conversation for the England squad and is a favourite of Howe's, having played for him at Bournemouth. So there was, I'd say, a bit of the writing was on the wall that if Chris Wood was going to stay at Newcastle United, he was either going to have to explode and, and really um, force his way into that starting 11, um, or he was going to look at uh, potentially a loan move um, out of Newcastle, but to stay in the Premier League. So we had seen the likes of Leeds um, put some interest out about bringing Woodsy back to Allen Road. But um, rather quickly, he did head to the city ground. And it was interesting uh, and rather serendipitous that uh, Chris Wood now plays for Forrest. Um, but he did get on the field in the weekend. Uh, I think he did contribute to Forrest's 1-1 draw against Bournemouth. He obviously wasn't on the field when he scored the goal. But again, he provides such a great platform. His work rate is unquestionable and that is so important at the Premier League level. You need to battle away to get anything and I think um, uh, Forrest did see an injection of that from Chris Wood. He definitely helped them secure that draw over the weekend. Jacob Spoonley, always a pleasure catching up with you, particularly on a Monday morning to sort things through with us. So have a great week uh, mate and may uh, next weekend be equally successful. Thanks, thanks so much for your time Jake. Not a problem. Cheers mate.
Cheers, mate. Jacob Spoonley there, of course, former All-White uh, and uh, SENZ uh, with us and also he's uh, with Sky TV as their football pundit alongside uh, Jason Pine. So uh, plenty of good news over the weekend for New Zealand football fans.